Hey there, welcome to the Rim Church Podcast. We're so glad you found us. The Rim Church is based in San Antonio, Texas, and we believe in loving Jesus, building family, and changing the world. Wherever you find yourself today, we trust that it is not by accident that you're listening to this message, and we believe that God has something to speak to you right where you are. For more information on what we're all about, go ahead and visit us at therim.church or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We hope you enjoy the message. Have you ever gotten locked into a reputation? Like maybe you were known as being the funny guy or the drama queen. Or maybe the divorced person. A reputation that you feel like that's the lens that everyone views you through. Because impressions, they're powerful. From the moment we meet people, we start forming judgments about them. And these initial impressions, they influence our response to any new information we learn about them. So we get stuck. We feel like we get stuck in a certain reputation. Now, I've told you before, uh, I grew up homeschooled. And growing up, that was a reputation I absolutely did not want to have. Because I didn't want this perception of, okay, he's a little bit socially awkward. Maybe we'll hang out for a little bit. We'll be nice. We don't actually want to hang out with him. Now, today... It's actually kind of cool being homeschooled. Uh, It's like the trend has reversed. All the hipster kids are now homeschooled. But back in the day when I was growing up, it was still a little bit like, okay, this is the socially awkward people. And I I wanted to do everything I could not to get caught in this reputation and the stigma and this impression that that's the lens that everyone viewed me through, being homeschooled. I feel like I got put in a box. So I don't know about you. More likely than not, though, you may have some form of reputation. Maybe you think it's good. Maybe you think it's bad, but oftentimes we feel like we get put in this box. This is the reputation that we have. This is the lens that we perceive everyone at least views us through. But I think here's the thing. Not only do we get put in a box by others, but if we're honest, we actually may begin to believe that whatever our reputation is or our identity is, that's actually how God views us. I think... Uh, myself included, growing up, I'd go, okay, I'm a sinner that's saved by grace. But even in that statement, I'm primarily identifying my reputation as being someone that is a sinner, which dramatically impacts what I believe about how God sees me. When I live life, it says, okay, I'm a sinner, and I'm, I'm, I'm just waiting to mess up, and God's going to be kind of angry with me, but that's not what Scripture actually tells us. But if we begin to look at what our reputations actually are. What do we believe about our reputations? It tells us a lot about what we think about God, how we relate to other people. And so the story, as we continue today in our sermon series, we're going to encounter a group of people that had a reputation. And it was because of their reputation that they were pushed to the fringes of society. So if we haven't met yet, my name's Austin. I'm on staff here at the Rim, uh, and I have the honor to help oversee our community groups here. And I love this sermon series that we're in. It's called Rejects Christmas, uh, because I often feel myself, either internally or externally, I can feel rejected. Uh, I can, the perception I have that other people have of me, or that just I have of myself, I can feel rejected. And so I'm excited because I need the good news of the gospel to remind me over and over again of what is true. So as you look again at our passage for today, we're in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. Verse 8 says this, In the same region, shepherds 
were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Now, pause right there. The main characters in this story, well, the main character is God, but the first characters we're introduced in this story are the shepherds. In ancient Israel, shepherds were generally considered unclean. They weren't able to, to be in the communion of the temple because they were around these dirty animals called sheep. They were in daily contact with dirty, smelly sheep. Their manure, the blood and the cuts and the scrapes and the insects. And all this meant that the shepherds were almost never clean enough to worship God in the temple. They would have been rejected by those around them because of what they did, because of the reputation they had. And this is interesting because the center of the Jewish world was worshiping God in the temple. So what does it mean to be Jewish? There's this idea, we follow Yahweh, we're going to the temple. But for these shepherds, they were kind of denied the access to the centrality of the Jewish world because of their reputation, because of what they did. But more than that, there is a sense that the temple was the place you went to get right with God. It's where you made sacrifices to get right with God. And for these shepherds that were considered unclean, they were almost in this culture, there's a sense that they weren't totally ever able to get fully right with God because they couldn't fully enter into the temple. So they were considered unclean, and because of their job, they're in this perpetual state of uncleanliness, unable to meet with God. They had a reputation, and they were rejected because of it. So I just just wonder, have you ever felt dirty or unclean? Ever felt like that maybe you weren't able to really get close to God because of something that you've done? Have you present or maybe in your past? I would just, I've been in that place. I would just imagine for these shepherds, that's a very lonely place. Probably walking around with a lot of shame, a lot of guilt. For them, this is like, this is their livelihood. It's not even that they can do anything about it. But they're in this perpetual state of shame, of guilt, of loneliness because there's this feeling they can never do enough to get clean because of their reputation. They weren't welcomed in. I can imagine that there probably wasn't a lot of hope. So these shepherds who are rejected, they're in these fields. It's nighttime. They're watching their flock. And then look with me at verse 9. What happens? Then an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people today. In the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. What I love here, and this is, if you're taking notes, point number one, hope shows up for these shepherds in the place of their reputation. Hope shows up in the place of their reputation. Where is the angel showing up? If you were to poll most people in the community, the angel or God speaking probably should have shown up in the temple. That's where you go to meet with God. 
But in the story, the angel is showing up, not in the temple where everyone would expect, but actually in the place where these people that are supposedly unclean, hope is showing up in the place of their reputation. This is not where the angel was supposed to show up. These were the people that maybe heard stories of what it was like to be in relationship with God or to to be clean, but never fully experienced that for themselves. I, I just think it's amazing. Hope for these shepherds does not show up when they were even in Jerusalem. There will probably be moments, we'll talk about this a little bit later, where, where they bring sheep to, to be actually sacrificed in the temple. But hope doesn't show up for them when they're supposedly doing all the things that they're supposed to be doing in the current religious system. Hope shows up for them in the place of their reputation. In the very place that others would not have dwelt because it was too unclean. They're watching over their flock but also they're doing the very thing that supposedly made them unclean, which is watching over their flock. But that's where hope shows up. And I think this teaches us, and God is gracious. He pursues us. If Romans would tell us that while we're still sinners, before we came to know Jesus, Jesus died for us, which means we don't have to prove ourselves. These shepherds didn't have to prove themselves anymore. That hope showed up for them in the place of their reputation. You don't have to prove yourself to others anymore. You don't have to prove yourself to yourself. And you don't have to prove yourself to God. Because before we did anything, and actually when we're doing the very thing that separated us from God, that's where God begins to step in. That's where hope begins to show up. The prophet Micah, he wrote 500 years before the coming of Jesus. He said, But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Micah is saying that Bethlehem, this place, although it may be small and seemingly insignificant, but from it a new ruler would come, and that ruler would be Jesus. So hope shows up in the place of their reputation. Before they've done anything, God steps in. And then listen again to what the angel says in verse 10. The angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. So hope not only shows up in the place of their reputation, hope shows up for them personally. Hope shows up to them personally. In the middle of verse 10, I proclaim to you good news that will be for all people. It's showing up to them personally. I'm proclaiming something to you. It's for everyone, but I'm speaking to you at this moment. I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, which means I have the distinct honor of being a Carolina Panthers fan, uh, if, you know, if you follow sports at all. Uh, we're not doing so great. These are hard times for my Panthers. But there was a time where we actually had Superman on our team. His name was Cam Newton. If you know anything about Cam Newton, he's a tremendous athlete, but there's something he did after every touchdown he would score. 
He would score. He'd do a Superman kind of pose thing. But then he'd look into the crowd, and he'd find a kid, and he'd walk over, and he'd give them the ball. He got fined every single time he did it, but that was kind of his tradition. Every time he scored, he'd take a ball over, and he'd give it to the kid. What Cam Newton did, he scored the touchdown. It impacted everybody that was a Panthers fan. But there was this moment where it was also this extremely personal moment for this kid. Everyone in the stands going crazy. It's impacting everyone. But there's this special moment for this kid where he gives the ball to. And that's what hope is doing. This is what Jesus is doing here. This is impacting everyone. But he's also speaking directly to these shepherds. It's personal. This hope is for everyone, but he's speaking specifically to them. It was almost God's way of saying, I see you. I haven't forgotten you. Though you may have been given the reputation by others, I see you and I am for you. Almost as if God was saying, I'm the only one that actually has naming rights on your life. Nobody else has naming rights on your life. And I think for so many of us, maybe this is just something that I needed to hear this week. God is the only one who has naming rights on your life. The reputation or identity that you have taken on from other people, they don't have that right to give it to you. We are created in the image of God. And he is the only one who has naming rights on our lives. So hope shows up personally to these shepherds. This week, uh, learning in the Jewish tradition, according to the the Mishnah, keeping flocks of sheep throughout Israel, it was strictly forbidden unless you were tending to sheep for temple purposes, for sacrifices. So that means unless the shepherds were tending to the flock on the night the angel appeared, these shepherds weren't ordinary shepherds. They were shepherding these sheep's sheep. For the sacrificial purposes. They were actually raising them to be sacrificed in the temple. And when a sacrificial lamb was born, the shepherds would inspect the lamb. And if it was without blemish, they would wrap the newborn lamb in swaddling clothes. And they would lay that lamb in a manger. So when the angel told the shepherds to look for a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, that this would be a sign for them it had extra meaning and significance. They had done this their whole lives. Scholars theorize that these shepherds would have known exactly what to look for when they were searching for the Savior that night because it was their daily job to certify Passover lambs upon birth through inspecting them for blemishes and then swaddling them to set them apart. So God didn't close his eyes, open up a map, and just, I'm going to show up to these shepherds. God personally moved into these shepherds' lives, and he revealed himself to them in a way that only they would understand. He's speaking to them personally, but it's impacting everyone. He picked the breeding grounds for Passover lambs to be the birthing grounds for the Lamb of God, whose blood was poured out for all of us. So hope shows up in the place of their reputation, and it shows up to them personally, but it also shows up with a purpose. Look with me at verse 16. They hurried off, and they found both Mary and Joseph, and the baby who was lying in the manger. 
After seeing him, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying God and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which which were just as they had been told. The purpose they had been given was to go and tell the world the good news that Jesus had come. Verse 18, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. These shepherds were not typically, they were on the fringes of society. People stayed away from them. They stayed away from people. They didn't want the embarrassment of being in interaction with people. But as they encountered Jesus, everything changed. As Jesus showed up in their lives, they had a new purpose. When they began to receive the identity that Jesus had given them, the reputation of Christ, everything changed. Their previous reputation did not prevent them from living out the purpose of the gospel, to proclaim that the Savior has come. But they had to stop. I think a lot of us, we have to stop. We have to stop finding our identity and our reputation and what other people have given us. We have to start receiving the good news of the gospel personally, which then moves us to proclaim it publicly. It wasn't about their reputation anymore. This was all about Jesus' reputation. There was no longer a fear of man. They'd been freed from that. God was now the most glorious one in their hearts. That word glory means weightiness. That God's glory was weightiest on their heart. In comparison to the opinions of people, it was God's glory that was on their hearts. They had seen the Lamb of God who had come to take the sins of the world. Israel's hope for reconciliation with God was no longer found in the sheep that the shepherds had raised, but the Lamb the shepherds had found. They couldn't help but share this news. Because when you see Jesus, and when you really see Jesus, it changes everything. You can't help but reverberate the story that he has come. So for us today, I think we have to stop finding our identity and reputation and what we or others have given ourselves And begin to receive the reputation of Jesus that he has given us. As long as you live out of the identity and reputation others have given you, you will not walk in freedom. They will dictate your life. But the good news of the gospel is that God himself has come to rescue and renew all of creation through the work of Jesus. And he changes everything. The shepherd's identity and our identity and reputation, it changes from unclean to beloved, from outcast to invited. In Christ, sinner is no longer your reputation before God. That is not how God views you. In Christ, that Christ has come and he has paid for our sins. The Lamb of God has come. It's no longer a sinner. It's beloved son or beloved daughter. It's saint. 
So I just wonder what would change if you actually began to believe that you were not viewed by God as a sinner in Christ, but a son that's fully loved or a daughter that's fully loved. What would that change about how you live with freedom? Receiving the reputation, the identity that God has given you. Maybe you've heard it, but have you actually received it? Have you actually received who it is that God says that you are? Because when we receive it, as we see in the life of the shepherds, everything changes and you can't help but tell the world. So this isn't actually about our reputation at all. It's about his. This is God's story. The Messiah has come. This is all part of God's story where all things are for his glory. And he invites us in as participants. He shows up to us in the places of our reputation. He shows up in each of our lives personally. But he shows up with a purpose. Because the story isn't over. The story continues with us. Let's take 120 seconds just to ask the questions. God, what are you saying to me? And how do I get to live in light of that? for listening. We hope that today's message resonated with you. It's our hope that you wouldn't be merely inspired, but that you would actually be transformed by something you heard today. At the Rim Church, we always ask two questions when processing God's word. What is God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? We encourage you to take a moment, reflect, and then to share with a friend or send us a message. We'd love to hear what God is teaching you and how we can help you take your next step in obedience. Until we meet again, we love you, church.